And this is cool. This is the first time ever that I've actually done an interview live on Facebook where both of us are able to be seen and see each other at the same time. Um, I need to put, look at, let me put this on there. Look at that. Look, I just put your name up there. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you what, you know, and by the way, if, if, uh, if I don't do this at least once, you know, I've got a little sound effects. I mean, it just makes it all that much more fun. So as you can see here, folks, um, we have Dr. Emily Spleichel here. She's a board certified podiatrist and she's the founder of evidence-based fitness. And she has also created a new product on the market called Noboso. Uh, did I pronounce it properly? You did, good job. Okay, good. And um, what I wanted to talk about, by the way, there's a chance, I'm gonna try to get this going. I'm gonna allow for some comments. I can actually get comments here. Um, so who knows, maybe somebody will wanna talk to us. Um, but so far, no. But anyway, um, what I really wanted to talk to you about, and I think, you know, you and I have discussed this before, and I think it bears repeating, uh, because so many of the people that I interact with that are trail runners, and, you know, they tend to shift from some days on the trail, some days on a treadmill, some days on the road, and then lo and behold, an injury crops up, and they're not terribly sure what to, what to point as the culprit of the problem. Um, and uh, some people are under the impression that, ooh, I run trails. There's Daniel Weiss, look at that, look at that. So I can, watch, I can put that up there, I think, let's see. Nope, can't do it. Look at that, see that? There's somebody saying That's hello. awesome. By the way, this gentleman is in, uh, help me Daniel, is it Slovakia? We're, we're international right now. Um, I, I, Slovenia, you know, what do I know about Europe, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, at the end of the day, they're interested in knowing, is it bad to run on the road? Does that hurt my feet? Should I wear puffier shoes in order to protect myself from the hard surfaces? Um, so I'm just going to lay it out to you. And you're, I'm, I could just feel you like a racehorse at the gate right now, just ready to jump on this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, I'd say the key word on this is adaptation is going to be a word. And, um, understanding how your nervous system anticipates different surfaces. And this is where we've spoken before, as far as you can react to a surface or you could anticipate a surface. And what we're trying to build into our nervous system is this anticipation response and the ability to anticipate the surface accurately is based off of the amount of sensory information coming in. This means that when you go from a treadmill to a trail to the road, they're all different services. They all provide slightly different sensory information to the nervous system, which you need to make sure that that information comes in so you can create an appropriate response that takes a little bit of a priming of the nervous system. So I like to do surface variability uh, less acutely. 
So versus one day and then you do the same mileage or distance on the next surface and then the next day you're doing the same distance on the next surface, you actually want to slowly increase the stress that you do on each surface. And that's part of that adaptation process. The more acute that you switch surfaces while keeping the stress the exact same, that's where injuries start to happen. Or if you keep a high stress and keep changing the surface, you would need to make sure you have sufficient recovery in between each of that experience. Otherwise, you experience injury. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure it does. So, uh, and again, I mean, I, I, it's kind of a loaded question because I, I've visited this with you on many different occasions. You know, it's funny because uh, when we preempted this, I wanted to put your picture up on Facebook or whatever. And I noticed that on on the internet, there are more pictures of our podcasts of you than there are most any other pictures. They go back like they go back like six years. That's and awesome. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about this on many different occasions. Um, and I've been slowly getting to a place where I'm better understanding the concepts, and I, I share these concepts with my clients during my my, my running clinics and what have you. Um, and by the way, in my lab, there is a Naboso mat right at the front door um, that, you know, people will wander around it and wonder what it is. Um, and actually, I, sh I wanted to share this with you because um, one of my clients, you know, I, I have virtual clients that I coach. One of my clients has the mat next to his bed. And he tells me the first thing he does when he gets up in the morning is he gets on the on the mat to set himself up and he says he identifies that it's helped him to be a little bit more, um, let's call it self-aware when he moves. And, you know, he's an older guy, you know, not as old as I am, but he's about 50 some odd years old and, and he's been running quite a lot. And for the most part, he's been injury free. He's not having any problems. And I've been in his head a lot talking about preactivation. And essentially what he's done is he will get on the mat before he goes to run and barefoot, just kind of set it up and just, you know, get a sense of, you know, getting things to be a little bit more uh, acute is a good term, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so that he's he's primed, like you were suggesting, he's priming himself to run. And so one of my clients, um, I he was going to do an Ironman. Uh, this is like a year ago. But he transitioned from being an OCR athlete to now trying to run uh, a marathon for Ironman. Okay. And in the course of getting off trail and going on the road, he started to face injuries. Uh, a little plantar fasciitis and some Achilles problems, mm -hmm. things like this. And, uh, you know, I had him go through some rituals with the flossing and things like this to try to, you know, mitigate some of the inflammation that was coming on and whatever. And... But he was getting to the place where he thought that being on the road was taboo. And I explained to him that he needed to prepare himself for the road and got him involved in thinking through maybe being barefoot on the surface he's preparing to run on beforehand and then put his shoes on and go out and do it. And we started to see, even, even though his doctor told him he, he needed eight weeks of you know, a recovery to, to get back in, into running shape. Um, we got back to work in about a week and a half. 
and never looked back. He's not had a problem. And by the way, he did Ironman and did have a successful marathon. But because this is coming up so often for me, and so many people ask me, well, do I need a puffier shoe when I'm on the road versus the trail? And then you get these variances in the types of surfaces that people run on. So they may have, like in OCR, most of the shoes in obstacle course racing are minimal. They're zero drop, very, very uh, uh, shallow uh, stack height. And then when they go out on the road, they wear like a freaking hoka or something, right? Mm -hmm. And so the transition between those different types of stimulus from the shoes and the, the impedance uh, from not having good contact with, with the ground surface leads to all sorts of problems. So who better than you to, to beat the drum for me here? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that the listeners, for them to understand that the stimulation that you're experiencing when you run, regardless of the surface, the stimulus of, of running and walking and dynamic movement from the ground is vibrations. That your foot hits ground, it creates vibration. Now, every surface from the treadmill to the trail to the concrete or asphalt, whatever they're, they're running on, is going to have a different... It's a frequency, a different frequency of vibration, similar to how sound is vibration and you can tune instruments and there's frequency. It's the same thing. Um, now, having said that every surface vibrates differently, concrete asphalt is the least forgiving surface that we could move on. And the way that you want to think about surfaces is that when you strike a surface, you want this symbiotic relationship with the ground, which means that you strike the surface and it vibrates and you vibrate. So you want this kind of dual kind of reverberation. When you're on road, concrete, asphalt is a little bit more forgiving, but when you're still on those types of surfaces, the surface doesn't really vibrate. So you get this back reverberation of vibrations which means that you have a couple choices here if you don't want to get injured either you uh, wear a cushion in your shoes but then the cushion takes the vibration and the vibration is sensory information to control your body your your loading response your movement patterns so just think think about that one because one it, it again it takes the vibration that was potentially injuring you, but it takes the sensory information that coordinates your movement. If you don't want to do cushion in your shoes, you train your muscles and your nervous system to react fast enough to stiffen against the vibration and absorb it. So it's in your muscles, which means you need to be fast and you need endurance in your muscles to be able to repetitively load on a very far distance. So that's potentially a limiting factor. And then the third one is you just shorten your distance. So the amount of vibration or your exposure to vibration, you control that. So you limit your time on concrete or road, you limit the distance of the run, you train your muscles to be fast, and endurance within the muscles, or you wear cushioned shoes. That, that's kind of what your choices are. Now, hokas, people love hoka, and they're like, they're bouncy, and it feels like you're kind of on this little moon shoe, but that's an ultra marathon shoe. That's it, its purpose is that you are exceeding the vibration threshold, really of the physiology of the body. 
So you had to kind of hack it by putting cushion in the shoe to absorb the vibration because you were inevitably gonna hit a muscular fatigue point. But then people started using it kind of when they didn't really need it. And then they fall into this cycle of becoming almost dependent on cushion then because they lose that response within their muscles. That's where we want to be careful about doing that. So I will tell my patients that if you do shorter distances, I would like you in a more minimal shoe because you have the muscular strength and endurance to hit a certain mileage or distance in that in that way. But if you're running further, 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 and you haven't trained the endurance within your muscular system, maybe we want a little bit of cushion. Would you go to a maximal shoe like a Hoka? I would say no, but could we then do it in a more kind of a transitional cushion shoe? Hi, Kristen. Well, so can, can <laughs> I just get involved here for a second? Of course. Um, so what what I believe to be true, and you could correct me, I, you know, I respect your your expertise far greater than my own opinion, but here's what I've come to learn through experience with people that I deal with, is that the going to a cushion shoe tends to provide a little bit of irresponsibility. And that irresponsibility leads to injuries because they're dampening the sensory feedback from the ground. And because they're, they're it's like, uh, I, I liken it to like you get punched, then you duck, right? It's you're a little late. And, in a, and being late to the response from ground contact sets you up for, for damage. So I have gone um, down trail running and have someone running ahead of me or run past me or however I'd see them. And I can't help myself. I'm very conscious of what's uh, what footwear when people are running and the way they move. I'm, you know, I'm just hypersensitive to the way people move. And then I see the ground contact in a Hoka. And because there's such great stack height, when the body weight makes contact on that foam, all bets are off. There, there. You could see that there's a lot of wash, um, of not just uh, laterally, but you you see excessive pronation because as they start to collapse, then there's an allowance of that collapse because it's it's almost feeding you into that position, and then that leads to to great problems. And I, I work with ultra marathoners that you know are hundred milers, and you know some of them that are doing great distances over 24 hours and i don't have them in a cushy shoe and as a matter of fact i suggest to them that there's no need to change the shoe surface once you've gained the capacity to run effectively and so what i like to teach people is the reliance of the education learn to run better learn to make friends with ground contact don't allow the shoe to be the uh, the mitigator of the surface. You know, you should be able to respond. I tell people, protect your feet, allow for an ample toe box so that your, your toes can splay and make good ground contact. A, number one thing I tell people with their running mechanics is find the ground properly. I care less about how frequently you hit it as long as initially you are allowing your foot to make good ground contact and allow for that sensory feedback so that you can be more intelligent with your movement patterns. And I, I just feel like 
And, you know, you know me well enough that I've been banging the drum about those cushy shoes for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I just think, yeah, you know, somebody says, well, I don't want to think about that. I just want to have my protection. So now I'm protected. And there's a false sense of security, I believe, that's built around trying to get into a shoe because it's cushier, you're going to be in a better place. Yes, uh, exactly, 100%. That The cushy shoe is, um, it makes you slower. It actually uses more energy. So maybe maybe that would convert some of the runners or the OCR athletes that if they're expending more energy in a cushioned shoe, which means they're technically running slower or they're going to hit a fatigue point or their performance won't be as high, maybe that would help them to understand the importance of switching to a more minimal shoe. Um, everything that you had said 100% makes sense. When you are, I like how you had said, when you land and then you kind of overpronate or you over wobble and then you kind of have to try to control that, that's a lot of energy that's being expended to try to control those movements. And I consider those energy leaks. So when I work with high level athletes, I want to try to eliminate any of these energy leaks in their movement patterns. And that would be an example of an energy leak in a runner is their footwear movement because of cushion. Um, so for sure, we want to be as efficient with the ground. I call it dancing with the ground. Um, or becoming one with the ground or you're in rhythm with the ground or whatever kind of analogy or picture you want in your head. But it is, it's this beautiful symbiotic relationship that it's a mutual kind of respect that you need. And people need to know that you're trying to harness what the ground is giving you or trying to give you because some people fight the ground and then those are the ones that get injured. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I mean, again, I'm not here, you know, bent on trying to destroy Hoka's reputation. Um, I'm just, I'm just, because I get people ask me all the time, what kind of shoe? What kind of shoe should I wear? And I don't like to give them a brand name as a suggestion. Because mm -hmm. as you're familiar, I'm sure, brands tend to go across the gamut. They want to sell shoes. And there are more people that don't have a good understanding of what they should be wearing than those that do. And so they're going to sell where there's the most opportunity to sell. And mm -hmm. so they're not going to stop um, placating people's needs by, you know, that cushy shoe looks really comfortable or that stack height. You know, I like to get my heel way up there because my calves are tight, you know, or whatever. And, and then all the, the real thing that bugs the crap out of me is that most of the traditional running shoes, they come to basically a point where they think your big toes in the middle here. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you start throwing volume at a shoe that places your foot into this pinched position, those metatarsals get uncomfortable. And as you start to swell, you know, with time you're going, you run 10, 15, 20 miles, your feet are going to start to, to swell up. And then you've got issues with your metatarsals. You get stress here. Um, and mm -hmm. so I, I just tell people, look, I want you to have protection from the ground as much as necessary, as little as possible. I want you to have a toe box that's going to allow your toes to be naturally splayed. And then mm -hmm. the rest of it is about the way you move. Don't look for the shoe to protect you. Look for your, your ability to move to protect you. And, and uh, I have great success with that. You know, you know that I've been doing this for quite a long time now, mm -hmm. and I've done clinics all over the country. 
And the people that we've migrated away from bad mechanics, getting them off landing on their heel, getting them off overstriding, getting them out of a shoe that's causing them a lot of problems, assuming that they can make the transition. Uh, you know, and I, I have them check that. If they just inherently have very, very tight heel cords and calves, I don't ask them to go into a zero drop shoe. I might look at something like a four mil drop or something like that and then try to work on the mechanics and then, you know, take it slow because you're transitioning and work your way into it. But I guess, you know, the, the theme that I was after here is the understanding of the importance to get uh, a relationship with the surfaces that you intend to train on. And so, as you suggested, you know, um, if you've been running on the on pavement, uh, you know, 50 miles a week or something like this, and then all of a sudden you decide, oh, I'm going to be a trail runner, and you start going into technical trails, uh, and the surface is different. And you could very easily injure yourself going from road to trail as you could going from trail to road. Because just the uh, uh, inconsistency in process, you're just you're 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 asking more from your body than it's typically accustomed to dealing with. I, I think was is a reasonable way to look at it. And um, I don't know if if you we talked about, years ago. You and I talked about preactivation, and uh, I really kind of want to send that home because that's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. But if you could drive that point for me that would be great sure so everything when you're thinking about how your body interacts with the ground or stabilizes against the ground that is built around timing so i look at movement i look at injuries i look at performance everything that people want who are listening to get the most out of their body and their sports and things like that is the timing so how quickly do you perceive the ground? How quickly do you absorb the vibration? How quickly do you stabilize your feet to your core? Different concepts like that. So that's where pre-activation comes in. So uh, pre-activation is different than reacting. So I'm gonna just give some facts to put it into perspective. So when we walk, we strike our heel when we walk. We experience ground reaction forces walking, right? Those impact forces are entering our body in 50 milliseconds. Okay, so we start running. So now running, there's obviously higher. It's three to four times our body weight. It's coming into the body in 20 milliseconds. Okay, so we've got 50, 20. Your muscles that control the loading response don't contract until 70 milliseconds. So if we can kind of just think of this rate. So running impact is entering your body in 20 milliseconds but it takes 70 milliseconds to actually react to it does that kind of put it into perspective right this means that impact is entering your body faster than you can react so if you are reacting to the ground and you're thinking your foot strikes the ground and then it's like oh, oh okay let me absorb right that's too slow that is where people are getting injured one of the biggest contributors to that delayed response or that reactive response is cushion and shoes. So you become a little bit slower because you don't feel the stimulus as quickly. We want to be, and we actually need to be, not want, you need to be 
preactive, which means before your foot even strikes the ground, you are stabilizing and stiffening and you are ready for the ground. You are ready for that vibration. That's the only way that you can efficiently load impact forces fast enough. Now, the way that you train the pre-activation response is to allow all of that sensory information to come in. That would be warming up barefoot. Some people actually run barefoot. That's getting the cushion out of the shoes. It's using things like the Navarso insoles so that you have something in the shoe that brings in sensory. So it's just making your environment and the foot to ground interface as sensory rich as possible. Um, and again, so that would be no cushion, materials, surfaces, Naboso insole. Um, I'm also not a fan of socks because I just want to feel the shoe, which I want to feel the ground, or I want to feel the Naboso insole, something like that, so that you can be just one step ahead of the movement, which is this preactive. That's the foundation to efficiency, and that's the secret to reducing injuries. Cool. Now, I think the, the thing that we discussed way back was um, in this kind of, I use this as an analogy for people when I'm trying to explain this to them, is that um, people that are, you know, typically spending time in the gym, a lot of CrossFitters, I'm doing some work with CrossFitters now, is that when you're trying to do a plyo hop, so you're trying to jump up onto a 24-inch box, and You've probably seen people like a deer in the headlights stare at the box as they attempt and they attempt, but their brain is not ready to allow them to jump onto the box because there's not enough assurance that it's gonna you're gonna be able to complete the task. So your yeah. CNS is saying, you know what, dude, you're gonna hurt yourself if you jump that high. You're not prepared to do it. I would have people stand on the box, jump down from that height, and that feedback from the distance traveled feeds them forward so that when they attempt to hop, they are more capable of making the jump. Mm -hmm. And so this to me is like a preactive type of uh, methodology. You're, you're getting to a place where you're teaching yourself to identify with what the task might be. And so that's kind of a broader um, uh, uh, analogy, but it's the same concept. So um, the we're talking about Naboso, and for those that aren't, you know, obviously going to let you run hog with this, but I wanted to share that uh, I have a Naboso mat that I got from you. I don't even know how, year, how many years ago it was now. Uh, how long have you had Naboso <laughs> in the market? Three years. Okay, so it's been about three years ago. Uh, and I put it in my, my lab. And incidentally, I've had a, a pretty good relationship with the stick mobility guys too, so thanks <laughs> to you. They've actually come out and done uh, a couple of my clinics. Oh, uh, great. Yeah, Dennis Dunphy, matter of fact, he's coming back in January to do another clinic. Um, but doing the training on the, the mat. So anybody that's lifted heavy weights knows that when they lift weights, they want to be grounded. And being barefoot provides opportunity for, for more stability, uh, more engagement, and just structurally you're in a better place in order to lift weight. Um, doing the workouts on the Noboso mat accentuates that whole process. My wife has actually gotten very comfortable uh, enjoying doing push-ups on the mat. She prefers to do the push-ups with her hands on the mat than she does on, on a ground surface. She says it just helps her a lot. Oh, that's uh, cool. So this sensory feedback thing is real, and, and it does make a difference. And um, you have insoles. I'm kind of new to the, the first pair of insoles you sent me. Again, it was probably about three years ago. 
Uh, I put in my shoes, ran five miles with no sock, and I think I just cheese grated myself to death. Um, <laughs> I know that the new mat, the new uh, insoles have changed quite a lot since since the initial ones. Can you talk about those a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So all of the products at Naboso, we rely on what we'll call texture. So texture is one of the stimulation that your feet are sensitive to. And I want to first kind of preempt that the nerves in your feet are different or special compared to other nerves in your body. They are sensitive to very specific stimulation that we use to maintain our balance and to control dynamic movement and things like that. Vibration, which is what we've been speaking about, is one of those stimuli that the nerves are sensitive to. But interestingly, one of the other stimuli is texture, but it's actually not texture. It's what's called two-point discrimination. So I'm just going to show the insole again real quick. So the if you can see there's little dots across it. So two-point discrimination is like Braille. So when your hand reads Braille, what your brain is actually sensing is that two-point discrimination, right? Two points, it's not one point. Um, that's the texture that is very specific to these nerves. So our mats and our insoles and we have flooring have this very specific stimuli on them, which your feet recognizes and it stimulates the brain and it essentially builds body slash foot awareness. Now, everything that you do from movement, strength, control, balance, all of that stuff has to do with body awareness and foot awareness. Just where are you in space? And that's really important. Where is your foot in relation to the ground? And that can help you sense the ground quicker because you have a increased foot awareness. Now, we have different insoles, different levels of stimulation. We have a couple different mats with different levels of stimulation and different hardnesses. But the purpose of it is to prime the nervous system or to keep your nervous system sharp while you're running or while you're training or while you're standing for work. And then we use it a lot for recovery. We have a lot of professional athletes that will integrate it to kind of hack their nervous system. Um, and then we work with a lot of children and seniors as well. Hmm, that's cool. So you're talking about two-point discrimination. You know, I've done, uh, you know, I know you're quite familiar with uh, the rock tape folk and I've mm -hmm. done basically all the certifications they provide from instrument assistance, soft tissue mobilization, the whole, the whole nine yards. But I remember doing experiments. I actually have the tool for two-point discrimination for you're looking, looking to find um, uh, sensory um, uh, capacity, I guess is the word. So, you know, and we would, you know, blindly where, you know, it's broader and you tap on them and they, what do you feel? One or two, you know, mm -hmm. one, it's like you got a distance that far and they're like, their sensory uh, perception is pretty skewed. They're not really uh, getting much information into that particular region and yep. going through and doing whatever stimulation you do, whether, whether it be the tools or what have you, and then coming back and checking to see whether it's improving. This is essentially the same thing you're talking about, right? So the, the way the textures are set up, it's stimulating you to have better uh, proprioception, right? You get a better response from, from the surface that you're on. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. So you could think of, you know, our nervous system is sensitive to different stimulation and you can kind of prime it, which is what I have a lot of athletes do is, if you're on something hard versus soft, 
right? So you can actually play with the nervous system. Harder surfaces are always better than softer surfaces. So thinking if I do my warm up on like a wrestling mat versus the hardwood floor of like a gym, you get more neuro priming on the hardwood floor. If you incorporate something that has vibration or vibrates like a wood floor or a whole body vibration platform, you prime that versus being on something that is more benign and doesn't vibrate. Um, texture, so being on something textured versus something smooth, you get more neuropriming when you have texture versus smooth. So these are kind of different ways that you can kind of trick into the nervous system where my big kind of belief in why we should do that, especially for athletics and all of the athletes that are listening and runners is that you only have so much time in a day and you want to be kind of efficient that if you could really shape the way you warm up and you prep your body for the race or for the run or for the session you're about to do, that first 15 minutes of whatever you do is the most important. So what are you doing? Are you barefoot? Are you doing breathing? Are you doing dry brushing? Are you stimulating your lymphatic systems somehow? Are you doing eye movement exercises? Are you kind of waking up your vestibular system? Like this is how I look at the first 15 minutes. And that's where I would do all of your neuromuscular system hacks. Like I love hacks because I love biohacking. Um, but it's essentially you understanding the nervous system and you manipulating it by understanding it. That's why I love barefoot training and sensory training because they're hacks and they're, they're really easy to do They're You won't get hurt by doing them, you know, and doing something like, like dry brushing or tapping your joints, which is where all your proprioceptors sit. You essentially are waking up all the proprioceptors around a joint and then you go run, you're going to be reacting so much faster. It's cool. really cool stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, I can tell you that uh, typically when I travel and I get a group of people and we're working on running mechanics and such, um, I will invite them all to take their shoes and their socks off. I'll find a grassy field somewhere mm -hmm. if it's available and I have them run barefoot. And uh, we'll do drills, uh, you know, we'll get like a, a distance where we can loop and, you know, do some interval repeats back and forth across the surface. And ironically, when people talk to me about various stack heights, or not stack heights, but uh, uh, inclinations in the heel of their shoe, they're like, oh, I don't think I can go from a four to, to a zero or should I go six or, you know, their argument about where they need to go and how quickly they need to transition. I have ev never, ever yet to have anyone that participated in a barefoot running segment with me that complained that because of that, their Achilles was sore or their calves were to, to the contrary, I've had people that were injured. And when we're having a hard time coming up with a as I'll use your term, hack to 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 get them in a better place quickly. I have them take their shoes off. Mm -hmm. And uh, one guy in particular that I, I've made reference to this a million times um, in Texas had just a tremendous problem with plantar fasciitis, and you know it became a, a very serious problem. And almost a year had gone by where he was he was injured, 
and uh, wanting to train. And I, I finally said, look, I want you to go out to a football field and run on the grass and just mm -hmm. try to run for 10 minutes and let me know if that's a problem. And he said it, it, it was fine. He didn't have any pain whatsoever. And then it worked up to 30, then 40 minutes, and he was doing it three days a week. And the weather turned, so he was forced indoors, but he decided that because he's having so much success barefoot that he decided to run on his treadmill barefoot. And he never told me this until after months transpired. And he, you know, he's in Texas. He said, look, I want to come see you. Came out to California and wanted me to do a gait evaluation. I was going to put him on the treadmill and, and shoot some video. And I said, okay. Uh, he goes, can I do it barefoot? And I said, well, we're going to go kind of fast. Are you okay with that? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I've been running on the treadmill. Um, I always run on the treadmill barefoot. And the only time I put my shoes on is when I race or when I'm outside. And he said he's been bulletproof. He's not had any issue whatsoever ever since he started taking on barefoot uh, uh, training. And, you know, I don't go out and tell people, okay, I want to see if you can run a marathon barefoot on concrete. You know, the environment doesn't provide for us to, to live in that type of circumstance. But I have many times counseled people when they were lost with the solution to how to correct a problem. When they got barefoot on, on natural surfaces, that they were able to to navigate and, and end up in a better place quickly. So there has to be something to do with the relationship and the feedback they're gaining when the foot is exposed to the earth, as opposed to being in uh, you know a 22 millimeter stack height cushion shoe. Yeah, I mean that that reminds me of when the five fingers first came out. And a lot of people were like jumping on that bandwagon. But what I heard, so much of what I heard was, oh, I used to have knee, knee pain and I don't have knee pain anymore. I used to have this and I don't have that anymore. So it's, it's kind of some of that initial first exploration at this because part of the barefoot training um, movement, we'll just call it, was kind of carried off of the momentum of the barefoot running boom and the minimal shoe boom. Um, so, yeah, I would hear that initially when people were taking away the structure, they were still in a shoe, but they were still noticing this benefit, which is great. Even more benefit, I do agree, is to be totally barefoot on the earth because there's many powerful things of you being on earth, dirt, Grounded. grounding, earthing, all of that stuff. Um, and I just think it's like fun. Probably all those people that you were having barefoot running on the grass, they were probably like, feel like little kids again. They were giddy. They loved <laughs> it. Yeah. I love running on the grass. Like it's yeah. just something you feel so much lighter. And it's a really good kind of example of like what you said is, see, you were fine barefoot going from, you know, six millimeters to zero drop, which is barefoot is zero drop. And you were fine. And you yeah. essentially just demonstrated that to them, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the insoles that are, that you're, you're developing now, um, you're recommending them to obviously runners? Yes. So the, the box that I have here, so this is our performance insole. So it's the red one on our website and the website is naboso.com. N-A-B-O-S-O.com is the website. The red one is our running insole. We also have a blue one that you will see, which I like to think of as our recovery insole or the one if you are training um, in the facility and you're doing squats, like squats, kettlebells, things like that, you could use the activation, which is blue. 
So you could kind of think of it that way. The red is called performance. So you're performing, you're running, you're doing a race, you wear the red. You're activating, you're priming the nervous system, you're going into the blue. And they're, they're available now um, for, for sale. On your website? Yep, on naboso.com. Naboso.com. And you mm -hmm. told me once, and I completely mind farted, I'm getting old, Naboso means... Oh, come on. I'm sure some of the listeners would know because ah, they're from... But it's, it's Czech, right? It's, it's, Czech? <laughs> it's a Czech word for barefoot. Okay. See, I forgot. <laughs> My, okay. the guy, by the way, the, there was a couple of Europeans in here. Yeah, I know. They were actually Eastern Slovakia. Europeans. So, so maybe okay. he knew what Nobosa was and I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. You told me once and I just, I forget, you know. There's too much stuff going in here and not enough of it staying. That's the problem. I know. You have to take some out to put it in. I get so it. So now that you're you're living near us, maybe one day we could do something either out your way or my way. Um, well, yeah, I actually want to talk to you about potentially for your stick mobility that you're doing is um, even just having some Naboso mats there. And we we're, we're going to be on the beach. The, oh, you're on the beach. Never mind then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, um, there are certain, you know, we could talk about it, but there's, there's, yeah. I'd love to have you involved somehow or another. Yeah. You know? No, that was because again, being so close. Or doing something else, we could find and do, um, you know, something with Naboso, Dr. Emily feet, barefoot. It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, again, um, Emily, it's always a slice when I get a chance to spend some time with you. This is the first time we got to look at each other while we did this. I know. It's so much different than on the Technology, phone. Technology, <laughs> man. We're starting to get there. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. So I, I hope that people got a chance to open their minds up a little bit through this conversation. Um, didn't intend to offend, offend anybody. If anybody's feeling like, you know, that asshole, you know, he's talking about the shoes, whatever, you know, <laughs> I love my, you know, I don't want to hear that. So, um, and yeah, the clinic, uh, January, dshumanperformance.com. It's coming up. And uh, again, very cool. Uh, we're going to do this. You and I will get together privately and discuss possibly doing something in January. We'll see. Perfect. All right, Emily. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So I just ended the broadcast.